0: I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. I'm Siri Lindley, and I am so excited to share with you my special guest today, Ann Malam. Ann Malam is an athlete, an American entrepreneur, motivational speaker, CEO, business uh sorry business owner and a philanthropist and as you get to know Anne today you are going to be amazed at what she has created in her life and you're an extraordinary woman thank you for being with us today and welcome
1: well thanks siri thanks for having me excited to chat with you for a little bit here
0: now tell me a little bit about you have so many incredible things that you do Um, with your solid core, with your back on your feet, nonprofit, I would love to know, first of all, tell if you could share with my listeners, kind of the things that you're most passionate about, but then I want to know how you became who you are today, because you have achieved extraordinary things. And I feel like there's always a backstory of what made incredible people successful as they are.
1: Yeah, great, great questions. I'll start with the first one. So what I do, one, I I love more than anything helping people realize their potential, and I find a lot of joy in that, and so the things that I seem to have created provide opportunities and environments for people to do that. I love creating and building um, and being an entrepreneur, and I put my time, energy, and focus into building and creating things that make people's lives better and, and improve their health, uh, mental health, physical health. Uh, it seems to be the the space that I play in, and I, I really enjoy that. So, you know, I, I grew up in North Dakota. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I'll give you the shorter version of the long story. But I, I grew up in North Dakota. Um, pretty humble beginnings. My mom was a school teacher and my dad sold insurance. Um, my dad has always had a problem with with work, he's just never seemed to really step into the working mode. So my mom, even though she was a school teacher, was the breadwinner, you know, in our family. And my dad unfortunately had his fair share of addictions throughout his life drugs and alcohol when we were really young. I've never seen my dad engage in those activities, but unfortunately gambling, gambling surfaced when I was a teenager and my dad found himself in a lot of debt, you know, couldn't pay, pay off his debt, had to tell my mom, had to tell us, my mom was just like, I can't help you through another addiction. And, you know, asked him to, to, to leave. Um, So my family unit got broken up in the middle of all my hormonal teenage years. And that was very challenging. And that's really when I became a runner. So I I spent my teenage years trying to fix my dad, being angry at my mom, and you know moving my body a lot on top of just needing the release. You know I was kind of a typical teenage girl with her own set of body issues and acceptance issues. So it was sort of this perfect storm um, for me to 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 run some of it healthy, some of it unhealthy. And I felt, you know, the reason we do everything we do, Siri, is really a, emotion driven, yeah. whether whether it's good emotion or bad emotion. And from a teenage from my teenage years, I was committed and adamant about making my life perfect. I felt like I don't want to end up like my parents. so I'm going to go to school, get a great job, make my own money, get married, have two point two kids, perfect house, perfect life, so that I never have to go through this pain or hurt. and I was really driven to make that happen. I went to college in three years and went to graduate school in a year. And I was so such in a hurry to be this happy adult. And then, uh, of course, as as they say, what life happens when, you know, you're making plans. And I just felt in my 20s when I was in Philly at this point, all of those things became unimportant. And I was asking myself what I'm here for. What is my calling? How do I find fulfillment? How do I find purpose? These questions that all of us search for at one point or another. And um, running was the only constant sort of in my life. And I was running by a homeless shelter that I had walked and ran by hundreds, like literally hundreds of times without paying attention. And I somehow noticed these group of guys and they noticed me and we started to wave and talk and this idea, just like a snap of my fingers went off in my head of you should start a running club for this homeless shelter. Wow. And it made so much sense to me. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to anybody else. Um, but I saw my dad in these guys and I could never figure out a way to help my dad through his addictions. And there was something calling to me of like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do.
0: Wow. Okay. That's so much. And it's so beautiful because it's you're you're so right. I mean, it's that pain that drives us often mm-hmm. to the things that matter most to us, even though in the moment, the things that we're doing are just to find some freedom from the pain or the anger, the sadness, whatever it is. But it feels like it's come full circle here. And, and I've got a few questions just from everything that you've said to me. I mean, at first, it seemed like Wanting to be perfect and have this perfect life is what I'm hearing. You didn't quite mm-hmm. say that, but, you know, wanting to have the perfect life and the happiness and the husband and the kids and the, you know, career and all of this. It feels like you stepped away from that need to be perfect and instead connected to, okay, well, what matters to me and what do I want to do? And then it all started happening because of that. As soon as you let go of trying to be perfect and have all this stuff did you then feel this freedom and see everything start happening once you let go
1: yeah it all made it just it all was making sense to me and on top of you know my my food issues my bulimia had really resurfaced during this time in my life and and it was probably as bad as it's ever been and once this idea happened to put this energy into helping these individuals now I, there's a lot to this story. People might be wondering, Oh my gosh, how did it all happen? And and so just a little bit more insight. I, I called Please. the shelter and I just was like, hi, I'm Ann. I, I live by this homeless shelter. I run by it. You know, I'd love to start a running club. The director of that running club was like, uh, these guys are not going to be interested in running. Like they're homeless. They have other issues. And I'm like, well, listen, you got to start somewhere and running just makes you feel so great. And and it helped me through a lot of tough times in my life. And I just think it could help. And I'm not trying to create more work for anybody. I would run with the guys 3 days a week and you know, he he agreed to meet me in person and I think he was, you know, just trying to make sure I didn't get my hopes up here. And you know, he promised me after meeting me in person that he would ask the guys living in the shelter if they would be interested and you know, 9 days later I get an email with with the list of guys who want to join the running club and you know, I was ecstatic. I got shoes donated and went up there. And, you know, we had our first run on July 3rd of 2007, which was a while ago now. And I just, I I just knew Siri immediately. I was like this, I feel it like I'm being given enough. Op- I've been asking for this. I've been asking for the last two years for my life to make sense, to give it purpose and meaning. And it's, it's happening. And so I just started to pay attention even more of the, you know, how the guys were interacting and What I noticed was, and I was young um, and I'm thankful for my awareness, but it was like, gosh, these guys are showing up every day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they're showing up on time. They want to be here. I didn't have anything to quote unquote, threaten them with, right? It's not like I was saying, if you don't show up, you know, you're not going to get food or shelter. I wasn't providing that. All I was providing was a positive environment for them to feel good about themselves. And I noticed their reaction to the when we would track their miles on a poster board and every day I would just accumulate the miles from the run before and just the smiles on their face and I'm like man we really do all want the same thing don't we we want to be appreciated valued cared for noticed and and celebrated and we were doing that for a group of men who hadn't felt that in a really long time and it was just like, oh my God, this is how these individuals are going to move out of homelessness. They are going to, to learn to love themselves yes. and combine that with now that they're literally running three days a week, they're accomplishing goals, they're, they're getting healthier, they're endorphins, you know, the, the positive energy, the environment of people who are successful taking time out of their days to, to run with these individuals. And it was just like, I'm going to build this into a fully fledged nonprofit that's going to start with running, that is going to turn them into getting jobs and getting homes. And people were like, what? And I'm like, you don't see it, but I see it. Oh and I was, I had so much conviction. Um, and Siri, I don't know how many entrepreneurs, you know, listen to your show, but that was the really big moment in my life when everybody around me was just like, what do you mean you're going to do this for work? And I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to yes. do. Yeah. Yeah, all of the advice and the doubts and the concerns of everybody else, I just, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. This is what I asked for. And if I'm not going to go for it, I don't know if I'll get another opportunity like this.
0: Okay. First of all, so brilliant. So brilliant. Like I can see how, as you're witnessing these homeless people, you know, starting to value themselves, starting to have, you know, to be able to see a compelling future to be able to believe in in their own ability to show up every day and to do things that make them feel worthy and valued and appreciated and all of that so in this and how old were you again
1: i was 26.
0: that is just i mean as you share this story like i feel the vision and i see the potential In it at that time and how it led to what you've done now. So, now let's talk about your entrepreneurial everything that you've done because this has actually that whole theme of wanting people to do things that bring them happiness, feel good about themselves, healthy lifestyle, all of this. How did that nonprofit and I didn't know that the nonprofit is what led to all of this, but if you Mm -hmm. could share what happened next.
1: Yeah. So, so I went all in and of course, you know, I know you see, you say you get it. Of course you get it. You're an athlete. Like when you're people understand what sport and moving your body does for all areas of your life. So I, I went all in and I surrounded myself with people who were smarter than I was. And we just started building, growing, trying, learning, screwing up, you know, fixing the mistakes only to make more mistakes. But we were so committed to the vision, which is the same today as it was back then, you know, to use running as a vehicle to create self-sufficiency in people's lives. And it, it you know, there was a ton of national media that, that heard about this story. As you might imagine, here's this young white blonde girl you know, inserting herself in homeless shelters and taking these guys for runs, the media couldn't get enough of it. So the media was so integral to us getting the word out and awareness. And, you know, I quickly set up a 501c3 had helps of lawyers. And we started, you know, taking a donations and, and programming and just really learning about how this stuff works. So I started hiring people. And within six and a half years, you know, we were operating in 12 cities with a Six million dollars wow. operating budget annually, and employed fifty people. And today, we've helped you know thousands. I'm not even sure how many of people move from homeless shelters to get employment, you know, and then living living on their own. So, yeah, it really, congratulations.
0: That's just, you. I mean, truly congratulations. That is yeah. incredible.
1: Thank what you. A what it yeah, gift. it was it was pretty fulfilling, and unexpectedly, Siri, six years into this thing. I get this like knock, this internal knock of something like being like, all right, Ann, it's time to move on. And I'm like, what? Like, you've gotta be kidding me. Like I searched for years to find this and there's something brewing inside me that's telling me it's time to like find the next thing that, you know, time to, to my next chapter. And so just like, you know, all of us say that we want growth, right? That's a positive thing, but it's super uncomfortable and we fight it. Like, you want me to go start something like this voice. I'm like, I'm like negotiating. like, you want me to go start something else? One, how do I top this? Two, like most people don't even get one thing to work. Like, I want to really test my luck here at two. You know, oh my God, what if it doesn't work? People are going to think I'm a one one hit wonder and a failure. It's just easier to stay. Like, I'll just keep doing this. Um, But it didn't go away, you know? And I sort of felt like, I was being a hypocrite telling the guys to make these changes, push themselves. And here I'm not stepping into, to my own truth and voice that I, that I knew is what I need to be doing next. So I, same thing. I'm like, okay, this next thing, what is it? I'm going to start paying attention again. And I was in Los Angeles for back on my feet. And I went to, I walked by this studio and it was a Pilates studio. And I was like, oh, how cute. Like a little LA workout. I mean, I was, I was triathlete. I've done 11 marathons. Like I was pretty fast. I've done all the workouts and I was like, this is going to be such a fun little thing to do while I'm in LA. And I got my butt kicked. I was so humbled by this form of workout Pilates. I'm like, I didn't know you could work out this way. I thought you had to beat up your body, jump up and down, you know, constant, you know, high impact. And I was just amazed. And I started doing Pilates back in New York. And I was like, this is it. No one really knows about this that you can. And I started to look different. I said, my confidence was going through the roof. And so I was like, no one's doing this right. Nobody knows about this. It changes the way you look and feel. And there's not a cool brand and community around a concept like this. I'm like, this is my next thing. Same, same thing. I started to tell people, what are you talking about? And you're going to go from you know, back on my feet, this this magical story to opening up a gym. And I'm like, it's not a gym, it's a studio. Um, But I'm like, and yes, I want to, I think I can help a lot of people, particularly women change the way that they work out, change the way they see their bodies, change the way that they define strength. And, and I'm really excited about it. So I, again, going against the advice and grain of even my accountant was like, oh my God, gyms have such a high failure rate. And it's just like, everybody wants to protect you. Everybody wants you to be like, why would you do that when you have this? So anyway, I, I, you know, put all my money in. I had saved $175,000 Siri. And this is important too, because I did that in five years. And this is from a woman who was in credit card debt, buying ice cream and candy And throwing it up. Like that's where I was when I was 26 to 27 years old. And so, you know, being 32 and saving all that money and having enough to say, okay, I can back myself. I can put this into this next thing. I didn't need anybody else's money to do that. And I opened my first studio named it solid core in November of 2013. And, you know, quickly started to grow that. I, I love growing things and yeah. I'm really good at it. So yeah. I, I just was like, okay, studio two, studio three, studio four. Um, and now today, you know, nine, nine years later, we have 93 studios across the country, um, with over 1200 employees and hundreds of thousands of clients. And, you know, wow. I still get very excited when I see people in the studios or they email me and tell me how this has completely changed their life. It's really rewarding. That is
0: unbelievable. And keep in mind, everybody listening, it started with Anne saving up $176,000 over time. Probably that meant giving up some of the things that you were doing. And I have to ask you the question because I have a sister who I love with all my heart, who's been battling bulimia for 40 years. And through this process, what do you feel helped you find healing? From-
1: I, know, I know exactly what it was. I finally started caring enough about other people that I didn't have time to be sick. And I, I, I listen, I can remember in the throes of bulimia, it was so self-absorbing. All I thought about was myself, what I'm eating, what I can eat. You know, lying to my family. I can't make it home for Thanksgiving everything was about me all the time. And once I, again, I, I just knew I couldn't do both. I knew I couldn't feed pun intended, my yeah. addiction and help these guys. And I, I just, it went away for that reason. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't go to whatever. It was just my priorities changed.
0: Amazing. And I mean, they say that, that people that are depressed, you know, the single most powerful way to move out of depression is to put your focus outside of yourself. And, and so I can see the power in that. And I feel like there was a, you know, you had to give that away in order Mm -hmm. to have everything that you wanted to create. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's so courageous as well because, you know, that is a crippling, crippling, I'll call it a disease, you know, bulimia. But, okay, I'm so inspired by you right now. So you have 90 plus solid cores around the country, right? And you must have reached another point where you said, ah, there's something more now again because you've been doing this for how many years uh, since the no, solid yeah.
1: core? Yeah, nine solid core and then six yeah. with back on my feet, so fifteen.
0: So then, what happened? Because I know you've got something big and new coming up this year.
1: Yeah, um, so I letting go of back on my feet. You know, something so personal to me, and and knowing the process of moving on from being the CEO and running it and turning all of that over to somebody else was one of the most valuable processes I've ever gone through. Because when we think about identity, Siri, a lot of us end up staying in jobs, relationships, houses, cities, because of it's so familiar. And it might not be right, but it's so familiar. And that and the idea of the uncertainty of the unknown of, well, it could be worse than this. So I'll just stay. We always default. Our brains always do that to us. We default to what if we're worse off instead of what if it's better? What if it's everything I ever dreamed of? And so I was really clear with myself when starting Solid Core that my journey with Solid Core was going to be very similar to back on my feet, which meant. This company cannot revolve around me. This company cannot be dependent on me. This company needs to work without me, and and I can instill my talents, which is the in the early stages, the processes, the people, the brand, and I need to embody the brand, but the brand cannot embody me. It's a really yes. dangerous place. Listen, it's it's I mean, take it to anything. If you do that to your kids, where your kids can't function without you, mm. they they're constantly reliant and dependent on you. You know, but you say you want to raise independent, resilient children. Well, then you need to let them fall. You need to let them hurt. You need to let them figure things out on their own. And so, building solid core. You know, every time I raised money, I leveled up my team and brought people in who had skill sets that I didn't have, knowing that at some point I don't want to be the CEO. One again, it's not good for the business um, for for it to be dependent on this single person. Two, I sort of had known at that point what I'm really good at, and I'm not great at running a bigger company, operations, data, like those kinds of things are difficult for me, and they drain me, and I want to live in the vision, and I want to live in the creative the creativity, I want to live in the putting the people in place and all that stuff. So again, very prudent around who I was bringing on and who I was training. And that's real in my mind. Again, I've, I've made a lot of leadership mistakes, but I, I got good at it because of that. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had to read more books. I had to do read podcasts, all of this stuff. And through you know, all the mistakes I made, usually leaders end up coming in to save the day. They they need to be involved. They need to approve everything, big decisions, permission. And all they end up doing is creating an environment where nobody has agency to make a, a meaningful decision about the company. And that if you literally aren't there, the company is handicapped. Yeah. And so I got, again, really, um, really clear on doing that. And I would not be involved in meetings for certain reasons. I would delegate and just say, you've got to be able to figure this out. And we would talk about the different layers, Siri, of Listen, you can make mistakes here, but the higher up you go, it's no different than an athlete, right? Like LeBron James can't have a lot of bad games. He can have a bad game, but he doesn't get 20 in a season. He's paid an extraordinary amount of money to perform at a high level. And I talk about that with my team as well. If you want to sit at the executive table, you got to have a really amazing batting average and you need to be comfortable not only making the decision, but being right a lot. So yeah. it's instilling that sort of culture in, yeah. you know, in the company is really important. So last two years ago now, April, 2021, um, I stepped down as CEO and, and promoted my COO to CEO and I moved into the exec chair role yeah. because I also know that the company is more valuable if we can show that somebody else can come in and not just run it, but yes. run it really well. And it makes the investors that we've taken have, you know, again, more value, which I have a fiduciary responsibility for. So I am so, I'm, I'm involved in SolidCore on a strategic, limited basis. My CEO will call me when he knows it's like, I need to call in for this. And it's not very often. Um, and I'm so proud of the team that has taken such great care, you know, of this company um, and, and treats it like it's its own and it's doing better than it's ever done. And so it opened up continued space for me to, to figure out what's the next thing. And I, you'll appreciate this. I took a lot of time in 2021 and I went and played a lot of beach volleyball. Nice. Um, I it's, it's a new sport for me. I love it. And in my competitive nature, I've gone to four adult volleyball camps, wanting to be good. Amazing. Yeah. I think we can get caught up sometimes in work, 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 but like, trust me, go play volleyball, go to volleyball camp and play volleyball for eight hours a day. That's work. And it's not work, just dis- work. It doesn't just have to mean what we get paid for. You know, I'm working on my, myself, my, my health, my relationship, my, with all of my family, with my relationship with so many people in my life, yeah. the things I'm reading and learning, getting better at volleyball, you know, and now, yes, I'm starting another company, um, in the fitness and, and health space called ambition, which opens up next month. Um. And you'll, I think, appreciate this. Yes, I want to continue to provide opportunities for health and wellness for folks. But ambition for me is one of the big reasons I'm doing it is to help a lot of other people build their wealth. I have been fortunate to build my wealth in this industry um, from zero to $100 million. And I want to bring on teammates that have been there and helped along the way. And do that and i want them to have like substantial equity stakes 25% of ambitions equity pool is dedicated to employees that will not change um i hope to not have to raise private equity so i can continue to fund it as we need be as well with the profits of the company but i want to teach people how to be successful business owners you know in this industry i'm really passionate about that so that they don't have to have three different fitness jobs you know i want them to learn about the business behind um, behind, behind fitness, I guess.
0: Okay. And this is so extraordinary because I see this theme of you coming in and you forge a path. And you come in and you empower people, whether it's the homeless people, the people in solid core that you want them to know that, you know, they can, like, you're, in, you're coming in, you're forging a path. You're inspiring people, you're creating something magnificent, and then you're empowering people to become more, basically, is what I see. And okay. I think that that's so beautiful. And I love, okay, so that aside, I love how you took some time to go do something new. Because I think another thing that people do sometimes is they say, you know, I'm a runner and I'm a tennis player and I'm a business person and they define themselves and that's how they live their lives. And it's like, but wait a second. What if you're a horseback rider? What if you're a, you know, like my mom for example is is an incredible example of this. She was an aerobics instructor in her 30s. She became a vet tech in her 50s. She became a dog groomer in her 60s and it's like, you know, who knows what you might find? That you love that makes you feel alive, or that that brings you a whole different outlook on what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. So I love that you went to beach volleyball camp. Like I love that, and I want everyone listening to know that. Like go do something that you haven't done before.
1: Totally. Yeah. Whenever you know, sometimes I'll ask people if they want to go skiing or snowboarding, and the answer is I don't know how. And I'm like, that's not what I asked. Yeah. Somehow, whether it's 25 or we feel we get a certain age and we're not able to to learn anymore. And that's what keeps us feeling alive and young. And when we're challenged and we're letting our curiosity, you know, drive us. And my, my biggest goal with my own life series is at the end of it, I want to feel like I lived as many lives as possible. I don't, you know, Tony Robbins, I know that he's a fan of yours and I love Tony Robbins, six needs where it's, you know, security you might, you might have to help me out with a minute, security, variety, growth, contribution, love, and significance. Significance. Thank you. Yeah. And I do that list a lot for myself and figure out sort of where that is. And security is always at the bottom. And now be it, I don't need a whole lot more security, but even when I didn't have any money, remember, I didn't have any money starting back on my feet. It was still contribution was still sitting at the top for me, even when I was broke. And that, that continues to drive the decision-making in my life. And, and a lot of times you're right about that. Our identities get caught up and that just doesn't happen with activities and hobbies. It happens with our politics. It happens with our religion. And we have just built this fortress around our opinions. And what I, what I had learned about that, because I was so fascinated why people don't change their mind very often. And you go into fight or flight mode when someone tries to get you to see something different that you have held onto for 10 years. And because then you're like, I, if I start to question that, then everything else is on the table and everything I've believed up to this point in my life could could all of a sudden be untrue. And that's really scary for people because we've all got to make sense of the world. But I think it's so respectful when I see a politician or anybody say, that's what I thought three years ago. And I have, yes. new information because I've lived and I met these people and I, I changed my mind. And we're so afraid to say that because I think people think we look wishwashy or, or something. And it's just like, that's growth. That's, that's growth. Great. When you change your mind around anything, because you have new information.
0: Yeah. I think it is so admirable when people do that. And I think that it's liberating because yeah. we may have things that we believed and. Maybe they weren't our beliefs at all. They were beliefs that were instilled in us through our family or our schools or whatever it was. But that moment when you can actually say, well, who am I? What do I believe? And maybe my belief might change 10 years down the line. And that's okay because I just want to live true to me in every single moment. Mm -hmm. So, whatever that is, but I think that's admirable. And Um, You know, when you talk about contribution, and and of course, Tony Robbins, I absolutely adore him, but the six human needs that we all, we all have them. These are the things that we all search for in our lives. And I think what's so powerful for you about having contribution at the very top, is when we are focused solely on how we can make a difference in other people's lives, how we can contribute, that doesn't just mean financially, but it means with your energy, with your time, with your skills, with your Heart, soul, spirit. When we put contribution first, basically all the other five, the other six human needs are being fulfilled because of that. Yeah. We get certainty that we can make a difference. We we get variety because we're doing it in different ways. We feel significant because we know we're doing something good. We know we're caring about other people. Mm-hmm. We grow through the different ways that we contribute and we connect. So I think that's so yep. beautiful and it makes it you know so clear why you've had the success that you have. And I still I believe one of your biggest successes is overcoming bulimia. And that took you focusing on contribution <laughs> as well, saying no more, you know, significance within or certainty from eating and knowing I can control this, but instead I'm going to focus on other people and let that go. Like It's so beautiful, Anne, and you're doing just um, such beautiful work in this world. And I think that, you know, our listeners here today and anyone who I hope gets to listen to this is going to start really thinking about the possibility of themselves and for how they live their lives. It's never too late to change the way that you're living. And that being said, Anne, you know, at the end of. At the end of your days, you know, 100 years from now or whatever it is, how do you want people to remember you? What do you want your biggest legacy to have been?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a really big question. But, it's you know, you and I were chatting before we um, started here and mentioned I was down in Virginia Beach for a funeral. And my my dad always says to me, you know, treat people like they're going to read your eulogy. And when you pause and reflect off of that and also think all the people that are in our lives, our family, our friends, our intimate partner, if we have one, our coworkers, and we stop and say, okay, what's my reputation? What, what, like when I'm living, what's my reputation? Am I the person when people are having a hard time that they call? Do I care? Do I want that? Do people respect me? You know, do they think I do the right thing? You know, whatever you, you sort of want for yourself. Cause I've done this exercise before. And frankly, sometimes I've even asked my friends to be honest of like, you know, tell, tell me how you would describe me and what you think of me. And, and, you know, you don't have to correct the relationship, but I think at the end. And again, this is putting ourselves in check today. So I think today people would say that Anne's direct. She wants you to succeed. She um, will do what she can to empower you. She won't do it for you. Um, She understands her success was not built on her own. And she not only knows that, she has put her money where her mouth is, because um, Solidcore, everybody's a part of a L. Tip there as, as well that I fund out of my own personal equity, um, and that she was really brave and always did what was right for her. And Siri, as a woman, again, you know, there is a there is tons of societal pressure and a pretty clear direct one path that like this is, this is what you do. And I'm again, from North Dakota. So most of my friends, if not all of them are married with children, they got married young and settled down. And I, you know, just was like, I don't think I want that. Let me, yeah. let me go down this way and see what's down here. And that is another thing I'm passionate about is not just helping, but being a example for women that you can have whatever life you want to have. You've got to figure out your values. Yes. how you want your time to be spent because we all got 24 hours in the day and what do you want that to look like how do you want to be spending your time and then make the choices that allow you to do that um and i i mean i've been engaged twice i didn't go through with it i've changed my mind several times because different periods in my life have presented different opportunities that were better suited for me than they might have been 3 years ago and i really like that about my myself um I'm constantly curious. So, yeah, I guess I think that those are those are the things and I guess lastly Siri, you could go ask, you know, one of my board members, you know, who's an investor, who's worth several tens of millions of dollars and then go ask a back on my feet member to be like, "Tell me about Ann." And I think you'd get the same answer, you know, and that's I'm really proud of that too. I don't think I treat people differently based off of your Status, how much money you have, um, yeah, okay. yeah. I think that that's really, uh, I think that's key for re- for us to remember too that people are people.
0: I love that, and and I'm gonna ask a couple more questions. Sorry, I was that we were gonna end on that, but I I'm so curious. You know, as you look back at your childhood, and you know, so often pe- people have a choice; they can take a really tough, painful childhood. And have that be the reason why their life has been a tragedy. Or they can take a really difficult childhood and say, this is why I am who I am today. This is why I'm strong. This is why I'm successful. This is why I've had the impact that I have. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say to people that might still be living that story of, you know, I wasn't loved, I wasn't valued, I wasn't treated well, and are kind of living that story. And and, and it's true, like, like kind of a victim story of because of this, I've suffered versus right. because of this, I've triumphed.
1: Yeah, that's Tony Robbins stuff right there too, Siri. It's like, okay, who's benefiting from you being a victim? Um, are, are, are you happy with your life? Are you this, or are you you that? And, you know, this is also very direct, but a lot of people like the victim role, it gets them attention, um, that they're looking for and they haven't figured out how to get attention any other way. So, you know, listen, all of us have trauma some more than others. And at some point, I mean, for myself, I'm like the only one who's going to lose here. If I continue to be angry and I continue to blame and I continue to, you know, for me is me. Like unless I can figure out how to turn all of this into something positive and let it work with me and for me and not against me, that's when I'm going to heal myself. And like I said, we all have that responsibility. There's one person you can control and on this earth and it's you and nobody else. So I I would frankly get real real and ask people how it's serving you. And you have to take ownership over that. You're hanging on to this thing for some reason or another. And, you know, it's like anybody I'll use the, the weight one or the the workout one, because it's easy. Oh, I don't have time to, to, to go to the gym. Listen, you, you might as well say you're not making time because everybody has the same 24 hours. And if you say, Oh, you have kids. I know plenty of parents who work out who, who have kids. You show me your calendar. I'll show you where the time is. Like we got to wake up 30 minutes earlier. Like you can, you will, you will make time. You will 100% make time for what's in, it's important. And I think the same is true about the thoughts. You know, if, if, you're, if you have these thoughts that is serving you as a victim, you're either continuing to think that way because somehow deep down, if you, and you don't want to admit it, it's benefiting you and you like the way that that victimhood makes you feel. Otherwise, you would do something about it.
0: Yeah. And I think it comes down to the question and, you know, how can I best love myself Mm -hmm. right now? Because I think the most powerful commitment anyone can ever make is the commitment to themselves, to love themselves, to back themselves, to make decisions that will move them forward, not back. So in, in the theme of self-love, just to end with, um, I like everybody to take a moment every day and say, you know what, what can I love most about myself right now so for you and um, what do you love most about yourself.
1: Hmm. Um well there's a long list and I, I'm proud of that. And people again, it's funny because sometimes people hear these things like, oh my God, the arrogant and the hubris. No, and, it's not at all. This is I he- know. this is healthy, you guys. This yes, is of course. Isn't it funny, Siri, how sometimes we root, you know, for the underdog. And once the underdog gets on top, we're like, Oh, we didn't really mean that much on top. Like we want you to, we want you to come down. It's sort of telling women to love themselves. And then once they do, it's sort of like that's not allowed. It's um, like, please
0: keep shining bright so we all can.
1: Yeah, like, exactly. let's
0: give each other permission to shine as bright as we possibly can. So yeah. in that, I mean, I do. I think that we need to every every single person listening here. What can you love and appreciate about yourself today? So Anne's going to be the example here. Yeah,
1: I'll t- also, I'll tell you, I think you know, I, I know I, I stand up for myself a lot um, when it's uncomfortable, when it's unpopular, when my my voice is the lonely one there. Um, I know what's right for me. and and uh, I have been in several rooms with many men, private equity, all of that stuff uh, with with my family. i i I have told my mom, you know, we're not talking until you can apologize. I will not allow that kind of emotional abuse. If you cannot apologize to me, you are not welcome. And and so I just feel like I always stand up for myself. Um, And I'm really, really proud of that. I will not be taken advantage of emotionally, monetarily, physically in in any way. Um, And that makes me really strong.
0: I love it. So people listening, anyone who needs a little bit of that in your life, you know how powerful modeling is. Model Anne, that is such an important thing. And she's found not only success, but great fulfillment in her life. So thank you for this beautiful conversation. And you're just awesome. How Mm -hmm. can people continue to follow you and be a part of everything that you're doing?
1: Well, first off, thank you for your enthusiasm and for your support. I can feel it through the the virtualness that we're in. Um, Instagram is the social media medium that I use the most. It's just my name, Ann Malum. And I do have a website, which is annmalum.com. And you can see links to my podcast that I have and speaking stuff that I've done if you're curious on learning a little bit more. So thanks for that.
0: Excellent. Well, Anne, um, it's so wonderful to meet you. What a gift for me and for everyone listening. And I hope that our paths will cross again in the future, but just continue doing your thing, girl. You're an amazing inspiration
1: to all. Thanks, Siri. Appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Bedhead Chronicles, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook, Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz, S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine
1: on.